Commentaries. As always, my name is Jack Damasro, and as always, I'm joined by my very good friend and co-host, Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton. Hello. How's it going? I don't know. Tell me. <clears throat> Do you like jazz? <laughs> um, well, that's, that's a heavy question. It's a weighted question to ask anybody. I can't believe you'd ask me something like that, to be honest. <laughs> you like jazz? No, um... Well, that's a loaded question, actually. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I was saying because in this whole movie, Wolf likes jazz, and he makes it known. Oh yeah, 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 of course. So uh, yeah, we're talking about uh, living in oblivion again. We're gonna sort of take you through the second half of the saga of the making of this film. Yeah, because it was uh, it was luckily kind of two parts, <laughs> so it works out perfectly. Yeah. Just like our podcast. Just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> except for Barry Lyndon. Uh, oh, yeah. Except for Barry Lyndon, which was three parts, even though the film was two parts. Yes. Well, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, no, that makes sense, because normally the films we do are one part, so then yeah. So then we do a film that's two parts, so then we have to do three parts on it. It, it adds up. So then if we ever do a movie, another movie with an intermission, we have to do three parts. Theoretically, yes. If we if we okay. are holding ourselves to that logic I just made up. I think it's logical. Yeah. So the number of parts of the film plus one. Exactly, exactly. We'll be cursing ourselves if there's like a shitty movie that has an intermission. I mean, technically this movie has three parts, Living in Oblivion. That is true. They actually, it is it is quite discreetly divided into three yeah, parts. Exactly. So we should do four episodes on this. Theoretically, we should. Yeah, too bad. We, I mean, we could split this episode into three parts. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Maybe. We'll find out. I don't think that's going to happen. If, if, if you find uh, us uh, having four episodes on this movie come out, you'll know why. Yeah, yeah that'll be that'll be why. Yeah. Um so uh what what did we talk about last week and what are we talking about this week? Um we already mentioned last week it was cuz it's you know perfectly split. Uh we talked about you know the first half. Yeah, so they kind of did this 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 they made this movie in two phases basically. Exactly. So we talked kind of about like, you know, phase 1. Their first phase 1, you know of attempting to make the movie in a certain way and then they uh realized that you know they needed to go back and uh finish it in a different way <laughs> basically yeah because it was a short film and then they needed to make yeah. it into a a feature length so they mm -hmm. they took a break so we will jump back in during this break after that break yeah or during the break well yeah just as the break begins <laughs> okay so the break was uh in total it lasted for eight months between yeah. shooting parts, which, you know, is kind of an issue in the film world because uh, 
you know. People have other things that they have to do. Exactly. People have other things they need to do and, and whatnot. And particularly Steve Buscemi mentioned that he had to keep his hair long for the role. Um, which... Yeah. Yeah. I know on like, you know, the bigger productions, you know, they, they pay the actors to not take any other work in the meantime, but exactly. I'm not sure that that was the case here. Yeah. I don't think that was as we, as we have previously discussed, that was not, yeah. not really the case here. And he was, he even said it in an interview that he was like, it's getting to the point where I needed to take some work. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's good that they, they, uh, they didn't last much longer than eight months. Exactly. They wouldn't have gone mm. well. So obviously the first thing that uh, our director, Tom DeSillo, has to take, or DeSillo, or DeSillo, we never really decided. We're just, call- we're just calling him Tom. Tom. Yeah. The first thing obviously Tom had to do was uh, finish the script uh, for to make it a feature-length film. Yeah, because obviously, you know, despite the fact that they'd gone and actually shot, like, you know, a good chunk of movie, you know, obviously, since it's only intended to be one part, they only had one-third of the script on, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think he kind of lucked out with, the, like, how the movie... Yeah, how the first part was laid out and how it even ended. Like... Well, yeah, because it, it kind of... It, it's... The whole idea that making it three parts kind of makes sense because of the way that they shot part one. Exactly. It, it totally lent and itself. they're lucky that it turned out that way. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, maybe they wouldn't have ended up being like maybe we should finish this if they if it hadn't lent itself to that but i don't know yeah maybe i don't know um yeah that's true but so about about writing the script um there's so so were there any other writers or was it just tom uh my understanding is it was just tom uh there's no other credited writers for sure i don't think yeah so yeah my guess is that he's the only writer yeah uh, so yeah, so there's this this there's this great exchange that um I was gonna like recap, but I figured I'll actually just I'll just put it in the episode because it's too good. Okay. When you have at the end, it all kind of works out, isn't that somewhat of a Hollywood ending? It's total Hollywood. I'm I'm a Hollywood guy. I don't know if you can tell. But you're saying you hate Hollywood. <laughs> You're saying you hate Hollywood. Oh, no, I'm just bullshitting you. I'm I'm totally Hollywood. (laughs) You're full of shit. Exactly. (laughs) What? No, listen, let me tell you something. Come on. Can you go through this whole film and have all of this agony without something working at the end? True, true. Oh, well, yeah, of course it's true. No, that's why I wrote it. Otherwise, otherwise I would not be, I would have committed suicide, you know, uh, 10 years ago. I needed to get to that moment that I just described, which is, well, yes, sometimes through happy accidents. It was personal pleasure. Yes, yes, that's what it's about. Otherwise, otherwise we wouldn't do it. I, and that was a real, I had to say, I said to myself, well, you know, it has to end on something that at least keeps them going. Oh, yeah, no, 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 100%. If, if they had not ended it in the way that they did, where, you know, they actually get a working take, then I don't think this one would have been watchable. Exactly, yeah. They need, you need, I mean, maybe. You need some kind of positivity to get you through ex- that entire slog of nothing getting done. Exactly, like, only the nichest of film nerds would enjoy it if yeah if it didn't have 
that ending. Only fucking sadistic fucks would enjoy it, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, that might be us, though. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I don't know. I-, I don't know if I could watch <laughs> it knowing that it didn't mm. resolve. Yeah, I'd watch it the first time, but I wouldn't rewatch yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would be too brutal. Yeah. But yeah, like we were saying uh, about how, like, you know, it kind of lends itself to to adding a few parts DeSillo felt that he had, you know, he learned a lot about the characters in the first part. That's what he said. Um, mm. So that it was kind of, he could actually kind of develop some of the storylines from that first part that kind of were hinted at almost. Um, like, the, you know, the romance between uh, between uh, Catherine Keener, Christine, whatever her name was, Catherine. No, that's the actress's name. Catherine Gaynor is the actress, yes. <laughs> well, no, what was the character's name? Kristen. Uh, oh. Kerr. Uh, uh, Nicole. Nicole. You're so far off. I couldn't have been farther off. I don't know why I was thinking Kristen. But, <laughs> um, yeah, like the her and, and, and Nick's kind of thing was kind of hinted at in the first part, and then they yeah. expanded on it, you know, in the second part. Uh, well, actually, I mean, in third if part. you think about it, it's all, it's all in her dreams, so, you know. That's true. Is it really even more than hinted at? Well, no, you're right. It's not. It's not more than hinted. There's at. There's no actual romance. It's 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 just in her dream. But it's also slightly hinted at in his dream in the first one, I think. Yeah, it is a little bit, I think. So there's two. There's both perspectives. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I don't even know if in the third one they hint at it though. So in the reality, I don't remember exactly. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I I honestly think that Stuby Samuel or sorry. Nick Rev was too, um, you know, uh, absorbed, preoccupied, absorbed with what he was doing for that to actually kind of come across. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> what I thought was hilarious uh, is that Tom DeSillo said it was quote unquote crucial um, before he even wrote the part two. He, it was crucial to him uh, that the lead actor and the director get into a fist fight. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah no, no, clearly. So that's. Uh, does that kind of imply that he wanted to fight Brad Pitt? I don't know if that implies that, but maybe. Yeah, that's. I didn't actually even think about that, but that's a good reading. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good reading. He it was actually interesting. <laughs> I learned a bit more looking into part two about things that we talked about in part one, like right. like just like uh, how he felt about Johnny Swade. And, like, he actually stuck to his guns about Brad Pitt because he actually lost a lot of money. Apparently. So he says he lost a lot of money in investments uh, because he chose Brad Pitt over somebody who was well-known. Um, right. Which meant that the film... But then Brad Pitt got well-known kind of before his film yeah, came I- out. Right. But he said that the movie that he got well-known for was a totally different vibe. Uh, so right. they kind of swept his, Johnny Swade under the rug. Yeah. Uh, and he, he just kind of obviously gave him, put a bitter taste in his mouth. So About Brad Pitt? Not even Brad Pitt, just about, or just well, about the Hollywood oh, industry. Or just about Twinkie bullshit. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because I, I actually know that um, apparently there was a lot of speculation about uh, that the character of... Um, uh, Chad Palomino was based on Brad Pitt, but apparently 
This is not true. No, I, I don't see how that could be true. Just knowing what we do about. Well, because he wasn't a star. At exactly. The time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. However, the uh, the, uh, the lead actor uh, James, sorry, the actor who played him, James Luke Gross. Uh, said that while he wasn't based on Brad Pitt, he was definitely based on somebody who he had worked with who he will not name. Who that actor worked with? Yeah. Interesting. What's, what was the actor's <laughs> name again? What? James LaGrosse. Um, I, I, let me see if I can find the quote, because I think it was in the... Uh, De, sorry, DeSillo said that while he can't name names, LaGrosse confided that he had lifted all of Palomino's mannerisms from a star who he had just finished working with okay so let's see what film had he just finished working on so this came out in 95 you said yeah so let's see in 90 94 94 like he had worked at don't do it um is the last film he had just done let's see what that is is anybody in that um it's a comedy directed by gene hess could it be Matthew Broderick? <laughs> Ooh, what film is that? Miss Parker and the Vicious Circle. Ooh, 1994. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't seem like it would be Matthew Broderick, but maybe it is. Yeah, Matthew Broderick gives me mixed vibes, but we'll. we'll I'm gonna save all, all. No, but I don't think it's. I don't think it's those vibes. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm gonna. We'll save all our Matthew Broderick talk for when we do a Matthew Broderick movie. Right. Because <laughs> there's a lot to talk about. Okay, so that's, I think, from what I could see, Matthew Broderick is the most well-known person he worked with in 1994. Interesting. What about 1990, like, oh, and he hadn't worked since 1991? Interesting. Oh, he, he was in Point Break. He did some, oh, Point Break. Oh, was it Swayze? It can't be Keanu uh, Reeves. Everybody says the exact opposite. No, I, I can't imagine it's Keanu Reeves, like, literally it could every, be Swayze. Yeah. It could be Swayze. Anyway, this is all speculation, but yeah, fun. Okay, fun, so no we are going with Chad Palomino is Patrick Swayze. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I would put my money on. Not Broderick, but Swayze. I think if down to the two, I would pick Swayze over Broderick. But yeah, that's the vibe I get. But I don't know. I don't know. Broderick just seems too soft spoken right. in everything I've seen of him. But I don't know. Maybe maybe yeah. with people. Maybe he's. Maybe he's just a jerk behind the scenes. Yeah, exactly. Like maybe with people who are like quote unquote beneath him, he's he's yeah. a jerk. Some people are like right. that. But who knows? Although he was made a jerk to like the director and shit. Like uh I mean Palomino. Yeah, right, right. Anyway, so we don't know who because Tom can't name names. Because <laughs> Tom can't name names, but point being Yeah. It's Swayze. It's probably Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Just, I know we should probably leave this point behind because we're definitely. I just, I'm just so curious because this is so juicy. Uh, I'm just gonna Google really quick. Was Swayze a dick? And the result is a lot of blurred pictures. So that's not good. Oh, <laughs> okay, not that. This website's just called <laughs> hollywoodcock.com, so never mind. Okay, let's just, I don't think that's what you want to be looking at. Let's just move on All from right, this topic entirely uh, then. Okay. I use the incorrect swor- search uh, terms, clearly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, sorry, um, where were we? Uh, 
Okay, we were talking about. We were just talking. I'm just. We're just talking about. Uh, kind of basically this the script writing. Oh, having yeah, I think it, we got here because of the fist fight we were talking about. Yeah, exactly. Basically, but yeah. So uh, it, it, Tom was saying that it was his wife who gave him the idea to have part three be the dream sequence, like them filming a dream sequence, which I think we've talked about is like one of the right, best even parts. though it's the only part that isn't a dream sequence. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which is such a good part of the film. Yeah, um, but he says as soon as he heard that idea, he immediately had the idea for uh, like a dwarf character telling off the director. Yeah, that's good. Which is, but I I just want like let let's stay at the dream sequence here because I just feel like having a dream sequence is something that like a lot of independent films have. Yeah, well, because a dream sequence is a I feel like. Now, this is editorial, obviously. Well, obviously this is editorial, yeah. But I feel like... Having a... I think... Because you don't actually have to write anything that's, like, actually of any, like, substance or move the plot in any way. I was going to say, it's it's a... I think it's it's common in independent films because it's a... Often... Not always, but often a... A... I don't want to say cheap, but a cheap writing tool, you know, to, like... Yeah, also, I feel like it, it lets, like, you know, uh, you know, these budding creatives, like, flex their, uh, uh, yes. you know. Ah, that's, yes, that's a good point, Creative too. muscles, you know what I mean, you know? Yeah, that's a good point as well. It lets them, like, you know, do some artistic. Do something a little more weird and artistic. Yeah, yeah. Not that, you know, obviously there's nothing wrong with that. No, nothing just... wrong with that at all. That's, you gotta do that shit. That is the whole point. Exactly. Fact, of, well, I mean, it's not the entire point of independent films, but it's like, you know. Since a lot of these films are like early, uh, early examples of people's works, it gives them a, a chance to kind of uh, go out on a limb. Exactly, exactly. Play the field in a way. Exactly. Um, but yeah, apparently, uh, Peter Dinklage even told him, according to Tom DeSillo, I didn't hear this from from Dinklage, but yeah, well, it seems like most of the source material we have for this is just from Tom DeSillo. <laughs> yeah, a ninety percent of it is yes. Is dirt yeah. from the horse's mouth, so you know. So I mean, take from that what you will. Yeah, yeah, and that's not saying he's lying about anything, but no, no. I, in fact, like, uh, you know, from what I understand, I think you know most people have a very similar perspective about this movie. Most of the people who worked on it. Yeah, exactly. Like I've watched so, a few other interviews you know, as well with. I I don't see any reason he would have to exaggerate anything no, really. Everything that that uh he has been wrong about like wrong about remembering has just been like little details that have been inconsistent yeah. between interviews yeah um but nothing but that happens all the time exactly with everybody that's like the nature of giving like hundreds of interviews yeah exactly. which is like a lot of what he does these days because he's a cult director yep so so yeah, what I was saying though, the point of all that was that Tinklage told him that he had never had a dream. He even he had never had a dream with a dwarf in it. So that line was was accurate. Okay. I just I I, I mean I just don't understand how that's possible. Such has a he, great has line. Has he never been in his own dream? Well, I mean, or is I think he not I think short besides, in his own dream? probably besides himself, I think he's not Okay. You know, I don't know. Tom DeSilla just said it. I don't know that if it, it's even necessarily true, but yeah, <laughs> if it is true, I imagine he's besides himself. 
Unless he dreams of himself as like... No, I'm saying does he dream of himself as not being short? Not being a dwarf. I doubt it. Maybe. Does does Peter Dinklage dream of himself as tall? At what height does he dream of himself? I would imagine normal <laughs> Or height. maybe he doesn't even think about it. Yeah, well, that's the kind of thing. Like, do you ever take your height in Do in I think dream? about my own height? Does that... My dream? Well, I mean... I feel like if I was a height that I'm not normally in in my dream, I would probably notice it. Probably, but, like, I feel like only in, like, extremes. Like, you know, sometimes you have dreams where you're just, like, taller than someone you're not taller than, and that's just normal in the dream, and you don't question it. I mean, I don't I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't often, you know, catalog a height of different people. Or my no, dream, me I neither, guess, but maybe. my point is, like, that could easily happen. That's, like, the, the type of yeah. dream mechanics that, like, you know, that's... Yeah. That's the kind of thing that would happen. I have no idea. I've ne- next time I'm dreaming, maybe I'll yeah, try. You fucking, you'd take that, take the, take the minutes and. and yeah. It'd be like, you know, take, take a check, you know, am I dreaming? Yeah. Next. How tall am I? Yeah, <laughs> next time you you find yourself in a lucid dreaming scenario, however rare that might be. <laughs> next time you find yourself in that scenario, take stock. How tall are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah. So script writing kind of done i think the next step for tom DeSillo is kind of uh securing funding yeah so um from what i understand the first you know the first bit was not expensive like no it led, as yeah, we just, they, like it was relatively they did this in a couple days and you know they uh they did it on you know not too big of a budget you know they didn't really have to set up anything particularly complicated yeah they uh, what did we say and many of the people working on it were either unpaid or literally gave them money yeah literally paid to be in the movie so like yeah that's what did we what did we say that uh his wife put together she found like thirty two thousand dollars or something yeah, some amount of money that I would uh, not be able to just find. Yeah, some obscene <laughs> amount of money. But yeah, so that's the first. Uh, it's in the first outline. Let me find out. Uh, Thirty-two grand. Nice. Yeah. Ow. Um. So yeah, they somehow find that amount of money the first time, but it's not as easy the second time. And I think Tom DeSillo is getting a bit concerned about his actors all walking, you know. Rightfully so, as we were saying, Steve Buscemi in his long hair. Oh yeah. Or yeah. Buscemi, sorry. Um, I, you know, everyone. Uh, what what Steve Buscemi, Buscemi has said is is that uh, well, he said Buscemi actually. Oh, he said Buscemi. Sorry, because it, no, it's not. It's Boo, not Buscemi. He doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I saw an interview where he was asked like, so uh, Buscemi, that's the correct way of saying it, and uh, he says, well, I say Buscemi. But, you know, I don't correct people when they say Buscemi because it's not wrong. Nice. It's not <laughs> wrong, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. He said that's that's not the way that he's ever said it, but that he doesn't really care. How he says say it. it's not wrong, so there you go. So if you if you get a well actually from anybody ever trying to correct you. Yeah, tell them Steve Buscemi told you, you know, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. That'll shut them up. Yeah. So he Tom DeSillo has he's been talking to this would be producer guy who Yeah, who who I will add that he also does not name. 
No, he doesn't name. So he does not name names. No, so because well, because he talks so, a lot I mean, of shit. You, you, yeah, you you can be sure that you know, no matter how much you piss Tom DeSillo off, he will not name names. Yeah, he's not gonna, he's not gonna fucking rat <laughs> you out, man, for being yeah. a dick. <laughs> but he will talk about you, but anonymously. Yeah, he'll tell stories, and then we can do the revert, like the Google search, and figure out, you know. I don't think we'll be able to the find the Patrick it Swayze of it all, but yeah, um, yeah. I bet someone could figure out who he was talking about if they wanted to really. Right, but I mean, like we don't like as you were about to say. <laughs> you know, this the this person is not normally a Hollywood producer. Well, at, yeah, who knows if they actually ever became a, a true Hollywood producer? But th- they were not really one at the time. I think they just right. were a rich person who wanted to get into the. Yeah. The business, the, the Hollywood hostess Twinkie game, exactly. Um, and from the way he describes it, is this guy was really determined to be extremely involved in the creative process. Yeah, <laughs> that's a red flag. That's a huge red flag for any director. <laughs> I I think is yeah. Well, I I think basically you know the attitude that you know Tom was was going for is I just want money. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't want to. I don't want any kind of anywhere to be involved beyond yeah their dollars. And apparently, this guy was talking about like recasting roles and like yeah, just just a, a horrible but, idea. But yeah, but from what I understand, this is you know at the, at this point, this is the only the only offer he really had. Yeah, and this guy was offering to put up three hundred k, which is you know shit ton of money. Well. I mean, for an independent film, yeah, at the time. Yeah, and, and at any time, <laughs> anywhere, that's a shit ton of money. No, no, but I'm saying, like, you try to make a movie for $300,000. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, relatively speaking, for a film, that's a tiny amount of money, but... <laughs> yeah. It's still a bit... I mean, you could do it. Like, even today, $300,000, you could make a good movie for that. Yeah, totally. Imagine if we I mean, I can only budget. imagine what the if... fuck we would have done with $300,000. I know. Imagine like... how good our film would have been. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Fuck me. Um, You know, maybe we'll get that money at some point yeah. for the jazz murder. Yeah, for the, for the next film. Yeah. If you're a producer... And you're looking for uh, <laughs> something too. We're going into pitches on the podcast. We have now. a project for you. Yeah, we're doing pitches. We have a project for you. <laughs> yeah, you could put up 300k. If you could put up 300k, give us a call. You know, um, we'll let you. Uh, we'll let you help pick the font that the script is y- written yeah, in. You know, or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know for three hundred thousand dollars. I don't know what. Uh, I don't. Know, I feel like I'd be able to give up a whole lot for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at this juncture, I don't know what I. Uh, I'd give up a hell of a lot for three hundred. Three hundred k. Anyway, uh, so uh, pitch a pitch aside. Um... Yeah, pitch pitch aside. Um, Tassilo hated so, this idea. Um, he hated this guy. Yeah. He um he really didn't want to you know even entertain this idea any further but he did want to make the movie yeah he wanted to finish it so he was gonna he was gonna kowtow to this guy and take his money however however uh he had a little bit of deus ex machina exactly the last minute while he was apparently on the phone or any but as he says he was all, all he was he was on the phone with this guy and he got a call and uh he's like 
excuse me, I, I have to take another cup. <laughs> um, and so it was, uh, it was the guy whose wedding he had been at previously, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so if you remember from episode one, the whole idea. He got the idea for the film from meeting this guy at his friend's wedding who said that he was so lucky to have made a movie. Exactly, exactly. And then... So the people who called him were the folks getting married that... Yes. uh, And they were actually already had been in the film. He had cast them in the film already. Um, Yeah, so uh, who were they? One of them was Speedo, and the other one was uh, the script girl? The script girl. I don't know if she has a name, but Tom just calls her the script girl. I don't think she has a name. (laughs) Let me check on IMDb if they credit her. Yeah, um, and he said, um, this is one of the inconsistencies. One interview, he said that it was him on the phone, the guy who played Speedo. And then in the other interview, yeah, she, he said actually, it was Actually, on IMDb, on IMDb, she's just listed as script. Script. There you go. So so one of them calls up a member of the couple who was getting yeah, married. Either script or Speedo. Script or Speedo is on the phone. He said her name was Hillary. Does it say her name? It hit her name is Hillary. Sick. <laughs> Continuity. So at least that part of the story is confirmed. Um, and uh, the the other guy's name is Mike. Michael. Sorry. Michael Griffith. Yeah. I don't know if they're still together because he said, when he was talking about it, he said her husband at the time. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, well, we don't have time to figure that out. <laughs> don't we, though? Um, no, we don't. So they were on the phone. You gotta get this edited. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so they were on the phone. One of them was on the phone. And they were like, uh, the way Tom DeSilla tells the story is they they actually phrased it. Uh, would you mind if actually we put up the money for the movie? Uh, yeah. Because recently they... To which I imagine that... Tom DeSilla was elated. Oh, he seems like it fucking blew his mind and rocked his world. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they had like luckily just like come into some inheritance and they for better for better for worse apparently wanted to invest it in the movie. Yeah, I don't know how sound of an investment that was. But but uh, l- let me actually let me see. I mean the box office is positive. Yeah, I mean it's okay, yeah. But we don't really know how much they put up and how yeah, much we they don't, got I, I don't know what the actual, like, because we didn't take into account, like, costs and everything. Yeah, exactly. Really, you know. So the point of this story is because he has this producer guy on the call waiting, right? So yeah. he clicks over. So he's, he, yeah, he, according to him, he was literally on call waiting <laughs> with this guy. Yeah. Which, you know, I don't know, is that a fancy feature in 1995? I think it probably <laughs> was actually, yeah. No, yeah, well, multiple lines. I don't know, like a home phone. I don't know. Yeah. In an office. Or was not. he? Was he on a cell phone? Maybe. Whoa, shit. I don't know. Because the way he mimed um, it in an interview was a cell phone. It seems like he was on a cell phone, but the interview was much later. Yeah, the interview so. was yeah, more modern. Yeah, more in the time of cell phones. Um, so uh, in one interview, he said. You could tell that he was going to swear, like he was going to use an expletive. He was like, so I told that guy, and then he like pauses, and he's like, no, thank you. Um, and then in the under... Uh, I think in another interview, he does actually swear. Exactly. In another <laughs> interview I was watching, he says, and I told that guy, go fuck yourself. 
Yeah. I'm sure he didn't actually phrase it that way. I but... don't know. The way he, he seems like he might have phrased it that way. He seems like a real character. Like, I, I enjoy yeah, his interviews yeah. a lot. I mean, it's just it's just quite a, you know, quite a uh, a step, I think, to actually throw an F-bomb to a stranger. On the other side yeah, I suppose that's true. I suppose that's true. <laughs> To actually tell someone to go fuck themselves, yeah, it's a whole lot. Different. I mean, I would, I would never do that. It's like I don't really know you. You were just offered to give me three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I would, <laughs> I would not do that. <laughs> um, you know, I'd be happy to tell you that I found alternate arrangements, but <laughs> probably not gonna not gonna throw the f bomb in his face. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're handling all crane kick business calls. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, not that I would throw the f bomb, but probably for. How do you know I haven't handled cranky <laughs> commentary business calls? <laughs> How do you know I haven't? Uh, you know, there's a reason why we haven't heard back from a lot of those people. That's a good. Po- <laughs> That's a good point. Hmm. I, I I I I only I only jest. <laughs> I may have told David Cronenberg to go F himself. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did reach out to David Cronenberg, and he did not get back to us. So <laughs> definitely, I can. Ima- I can see. He re- I can just hear the strongly worded email now. <laughs> go fuck yourself, David Cronenberg. Yeah, that is in. That is in jest as well. Uh, yeah. David Cronenberg is welcome on the podcast. David Cronenberg, you're yeah, you're welcome to come on the podcast uh, anytime. Don't go. Don't go F yourself. Yeah, don't. Don't do that. Unless you want to, so yeah. So where were we? He he told the he told the producer guy to go fuck himself. So he says, and he's like, "All right, oh yeah." In that same interview where he says, "Go fuck himself," he's drinking what appears to be whiskey. Uh, yeah, he's got like a glass with a, a two fingers of brown liquid in it, but could be apple oh, juice. Oh, I see. Could be apple juice. Yeah, iced tea. You know, it could I be think. anything. It could be anything. But that is, I just thought it was a good. An interesting point that that's the one where he actually says "go fuck yourself." Um, right. You know, it's a different atmosphere. Yeah. It was a different atmosphere, totally different vibe. Was that was that the one with Steve Buscemi? No, that that wasn't that one. Okay, okay. This was a uh, that that he was just drinking water. I think. I think so. I think so, or it may have been one of the you know the nondescript mugs that they give you, mm. so you can drink whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're getting a little sidetracked here. Yeah, we are getting sidetracked. Um, where were we? So he told this producer to go off himself, and uh, and then there you go. That we're basically got. He's got his money, and he's got because Speedo and Script Girl gave because they gave him money, so they can we that brings us more or less to the production of of the second part two, and. I just thought it was funny that uh, one of the questions that of the the interview you're just talking about, where Steve uh, Buscemi's there. Oh, speaking of money, as you were, as you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was just saying. He said, "quote unquote," uh, the films where I made money were not half as interesting as the ones where I made not as much. <laughs> Cause right. He was all. Was that, that that would imply he made. A non-zero amount. Yeah, well, I was. Uh, I put the ellipses in there because he definitely. It seemed like he was gonna say no money. Um, right. But then. But that would be a lie. Yeah, or not the right thing to say. Uh, he right. seemed like he's being slightly diplomatic about it. Right. Okay. 
<laughs> but I don't know. That's just that's just my reading. But yeah, the so that kind of brings us to to the production, um, which because it's such a small production, I imagine there's a part later on in our podcast that will probably cover most of the uh oh yeah we might we might talk about that most yeah, of the details maybe. of production so um i've just got a few before we get there just a few things that tom DeSello said about kind of his style of directing that mm-hmm. i think that like in content in the context of this movie that i think i think were kind of interesting and kind of funny <laughs> yeah, yeah so the first one is that he said he's talking about why he hates like stage theater right because and why he loves film and like the most part so he's like the most important part about film is quote-unquote accidents uh and he 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 used uh the the analogy of like when you're like walking on ice and you slip and like the moment when you when the moment when you have to like correct the the slip is like I think the point he was getting at is like that's your most natural form, you know, is when you're correcting okay, that. Okay, wait, wait, quick question because of that. What he, where is Tom DeSilva from? Because he said ice. North Carolina. He said ice. Interesting question. Yeah. Well, because I think that, uh, you know, if you, uh, okay, so okay, no, he studied uh, he studied film in New York, so okay, yeah, he would have. Well, just because you know it, you know. I feel if you like if you live in California or whatever, like how often do you actually have? Are you gonna the use an ice analogy? Ice? Yeah, yeah. Like, feel like if you use an analogy based on ice, you probably you know are from live in the, the north, in the northern <laughs> yeah, like area. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't, um, didn't pick up like because I mean, like I feel like we use ice analogies all the time, but you know, it's because we're Canadian. That's a that's a good observation. That's a good colloquial colloquialism observation. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Yeah. So yeah, you must have spent some time in New York, but I think yeah. the point he was trying to make was 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 that like that's like the most true unadulterated reality is like that accident that moment of correction from within an accident. Um, and he also right. he, he drew the parallel to like but, musicians as well doing the same thing. Right. Okay, but also that doesn't quite make sense to me though. Go on. Because when you're making a film. <laughs> like the accidents are usually the takes that you don't use, but when you're doing like live theater, you can't correct the mistake. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, he said he, uh, he said the only thing that could possibly keep him interested, like he's like because stage theater has been rehearsed so much, like everything you're seeing w- was conceived like three years ago or whatever. Um, so yeah, so like that's the hardest he also went on to say how that's the hardest part of film but about theater he said like uh the the most like out of the ordinary thing that could happen is that an actor has a heart attack on stage uh and that's the only thing frankly that keeps me interesting or something or keeps me interested what it's something that he said okay (laughs) (laughs) I'm, i'm still not sure that makes sense like I, I kind of like. I think he might be overstating it, but I, I kind of yeah. get what he's saying. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like in terms. Also, I think that yeah, Stanley Kubrick is pulling his hair his his hair out in his grave about this. Uh... That's hilarious <laughs> that you should mention that because when I was watching him talk about this, my first thought was like, this is like the polar opposite of Stanley Kubrick. Because <laughs> I mean, I think that like Stanley Kubrick said specifically, the reason he did so many takes was because he didn't think that people rehearsed enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they would not have got along. No, not at all. Not at I all. Think... I mean, and it's a very different movie, and that's fine. That is fine. And I mean, maybe they would have got along because they're so different. But yeah, who maybe knows? you know, maybe they could learn something from one another. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so what what Tom DeSillo would do? <laughs> this is great. Um, because you you asked like uh, in making a film, what the act, we didn't ask. Sorry, that you you mentioned that like well the the accidents are. Or the takes that you don't use. They're usually use. the takes that you don't use. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So how does he? How do you introduce that sort of atmosphere while getting a useful take? Is kind of the question. Yeah. So what he did, he would say, is that he wanted to. The most important thing he said is you need to introduce a quote unquote element of surprise to every take. And as soon as he said mm. that, I was on the edge of my seat. Yeah, I like that. Once again, polar opposite of Kubrick here. Yeah, exactly. Polar opposite. How do you, how do you introduce the element of surprise? The way the way he the way he did it. Excuse me. He said he would whisper something in uh, Busimi's ear. Oh yeah. So that and only to him, I was. Yeah, exactly. So that yeah. only he heard it. So that quote unquote, uh, the other actors quote unquote, didn't know where he was going to go next. Meaning about Pusimi, so... Right, but also, in this very film, isn't there the whole scene where... What's his name? Uh, so Chad, Chad Palomino. Palomino. He's being, like, such a fucking nuisance because he won't just fucking stick to what they talked about. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> isn't that the entire thing that they're saying is a problem? Well, it's, so, it's funny, yeah, that is hilarious because, like, that part of the of the the film seems to be most irritating to Wolf when he's like not staying on his staying on Oh his yeah, that's true. Stuff. Because yeah, because Wolf has done all this planning to make sure that the shot which, is this yeah. specific way. Which right? in turn which, is you know, irritating to Steve Buscemi or yeah. Buscemi or whatever. Nick Rev. Nick Rev because yeah. he's not getting his takes. Exactly. But he also said the stuff he whispered to Steve would he would try and throw him off. So I don't really know what it, throw off Steve. Yeah, like throw him out of his preparation. So I don't really know. He didn't give any this examples. Seems very strange. I know. He he yeah. didn't give any examples of stuff he would whisper to Steve, but And like a different one on each take? Yeah, I know. Like that seems like like a lot of work. Seems like a lot of work. I think like as we were saying earlier cuz you know this is all coming from the mouth the the horse's mouth, yeah, so to speak. The horse's maybe somewhat lubricated mouth. <laughs> well, ale- allegedly, could have been iced tea. Um, <laughs> but, and I think, because as we said, also, you know, cult director, he's probably given so many like little interviews to like, you know, cult people. Yeah, I feel like the story kind of like evolves a little bit and takes on a life of its right. own. Right. Yeah, but like yeah. maybe I don't think he necessarily like whispered something before every single fucking take, and if he did, good on him for keeping yeah, to sticking his, to it. You know, if, especially if they did. Actually, I just uh, was gonna say 
they didn't actually do that many takes in this movie. If you think about it, the amount of takes that they actually do is not that many. What do you mean? Like, even, like, in the first dream sequence when they're doing all these takes, all these takes, quote-unquote, like, I think they only do, like, maximum 10 takes of the one scene. Oh, you mean, yeah, because it keeps, like, like the actual... It just feels like a lot of takes because it's so irritating. Yeah, and because it gets so close. But, I mean, in reality, I'm sure... Yeah. No, no, I mean, mean, like, the, the whole point is that, you know, allegedly they do a ton of takes, but, you know. Yeah, 10 takes is not that unreasonable. Yeah, I mean, that's just what I'm going with in my head. But I remember looking at the clapper and it said take six or whatever at some point. Yeah, and I mean, like... So I my guess is that they do, like, ten, right? Yeah, and they're, like, on a budget, too, so it's, like... Yeah. Like, we're yeah. behind so time know. or whatever. But I don't know. They they definitely make it feel like it's more than that, though. Yeah. But, yeah, like, um, if, if what I was saying is, like, especially... If they do a ton of uh, a ton of takes, I'm surprised that Tom DeSillo managed to stick to his uh, whispering something in his ear every time yeah. that would throw him off. Yeah, especially because like he only used uh, Steve Buscemi as a example, but theoretically he would yeah. do this to whoever was in the in yeah, the scene exactly. to to throw them off their yeah. game and get some accidental right. whatever that means footage <laughs> that yeah. he could use. Right. He had some weird, interesting, interesting approach. He had some weird stuff to say about filmmaking, and which is it was an interesting interview. Like it's all, yeah, vaguely thought-provoking stuff. Like the thing he said about like most films, quote unquote, including his own. Um, that the things that are like this is all adding to the same accidental point. You know, is that the things happening in front of the camera are far less interesting than is what is happening ten feet away. Um, and he gave the example, like ten feet behind the camera or ten feet in front of the That's camera. What he means. I think he means like off camera. I think he uh, the point he's getting at. I, I think he means like. Well, I mean, isn't that what the whole point of this podcast is? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he's right, but I don't think that I, th- I don't I don't think that's the point he's making. I think. <laughs> At right. first, I thought he was saying, like, making a film is more interesting than the film. The actual film. But I think what he means more is that the unscripted life that's happening around is more interesting than when you have to, like, shoot. Because it's his hate of stage plays when it's, like, right. when it's like all rehearsed and it's, like, the same line. He get he Because the example he used was, like... A hypothetical example is like you're now he's you're filming a, a super intimate important scene and you keep having your eye drawn to somebody off to the side eating a hot dog and quote unquote the way they are eating the hot dog is more interesting than what is being filmed. Okay. <laughs> interesting. He seems like he's on the precipice I, of a point here. Yeah. You know this is the three finger whiskey interview, right? Yeah. He, exactly. Two fingers. Yeah, uh, two fingers. Well, when he lifted it up, Um, that's what I saw. Yeah, so it could have been three before that. Yeah, exactly. Or ice. To go back to Stanley Kubrick for just one more second. Yeah. I I actually think it's hilarious that, you know, you you were talking about the whole stage play thing. Yeah. Now, Stanley also spoke somewhat negatively of stage plays. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what did did he say about them? (laughs) Well, basically, um, 
I mean, I don't think he was necessarily saying that stage plays were bad necessarily as a medium, but that he was saying that, you know, unfortunately, most movies that he had seen, including most of his own, could have been made as a stage play and that he wanted to, you know, make a movie that could not have been made as a stage play. Wow. Interesting. And that's what he's saying about what, 2001 or something? Yeah, he said even 2001 could conceivably have been a stage play. Yeah, that's, I mean, given, you know, how they do some of those stage, yeah. like, I mean, fucking Les Mis, for fuck's sake. Oh, well, Les Mis is from, well, no, it's not from, it's from a From a book, book but, but then it was a musical. It's and most, it's most well-known, I think, as a musical. Well, in North America, I should say, as a musical. Yeah, yeah, because it's written in French, I believe. Original. Yeah, I'm I'm sure the French French know much better than we do. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, we we, we got, got really off thrown off there by that sidetrack. Yeah. I totally forgot what we were talking about too. Uh, just Tom being uh, his, having interesting opinions. Yeah, and his his movie making, uh, his filmmaking approach. approach. Yeah, is interesting, and it's it's kind of if we were doing like he's definitely the uh, the polar opposite of Stanley Kubrick in a lot of ways. Yeah. So. In many ways, yeah. including, uh, most importantly, box office. <laughs> <laughs> Especially box office, yeah. Which is interesting, <laughs> but but not in quality. Well, actually, I don't know about that. I've only seen. I the mean, one. I haven't seen the. I've only seen the one film, so I can't speak to that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, um, yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. So, so I think this last point you list here kind of gets to I think the thesis of this film. <laughs> exactly. Uh which is that essentially the uh DeSillo has said that the ratio in in the ratio of making independent films between crisis management and creativity, crisis management is higher. <laughs> and I think that is absolutely true. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Because he was like, I think the way he described it is he was when he was making his his first Johnny Swift. No, no, no. He was making a student thesis film. Yeah. He he had like a moment where basically he had to manage a crisis and he totally failed. Um, and I think it was yeah. more an internal crisis than an external crisis about what he wanted. But point being is like yeah. he was like that kind of like extreme like that changed my whole filmmaking experience that one moment yeah i mean you know to be a director you have to be a firefighter <laughs> is that your quote sure sure did you say sure yeah sure that is my quote you can quote me on that <laughs> being a director is being a firefighter that's pretty good not to diminish what firefighters do in any way. No, I mean, I mean, firefighters save lives. Directors point and shoot. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, you know, you know, you. This is more directed towards directors than firefighters. Yeah, exactly. You get it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So that that'll that'll bring us to our next segment, which will kind of dive a little bit more more deeper into the. Into, into what? The way they shot it. Uh, let's talk about 
the way they shot it. How did they shoot it? I, I got one spoiler. Uh, you have one spoiler. What are you going to say? Well, one spoiler while I was researching. Do you want me to do you want me to share the Yeah, yeah. So share the share the spoiler. I'm forgetting it. Shit. <laughs> okay, what did he say? Okay, well that's no, he said, that's fine. If he said he filmed the first part on 30 millimeter. 35 35 millimeter. millimeter. And then the other part on 60? 16? 16, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh yeah, so um I don't know if that's 100 percent true <laughs> what he just said there i think it it's probably the reverse maybe that's what he said maybe that's what he was saying it well anyway in yeah, um yeah so uh the first part of it uh once again i know that it was shot both on 35 and 16 right okay from my eye it's the first part that was definitely shot on 16. From your eye. Okay, go on. Uh, specifically, like, the black and white segments uh, in part one, the the grain size really gives away the fact that it's 16 millimeter. Right. But not in the other parts? Um, no, because there aren't black and white segments later on. There is in part two, isn't there? Oh, yeah, there's some. Yeah, but they're not the same. Yeah, because because in part two it's it's really weird because in part one it's the uh, it's the parts of the of them making the movie that are done in yeah black and white, but then the actual parts that they're showing that are supposed to be in the movie are in color, but it's the reverse in part two. Yeah, he explained why he did that. It was that like the first part made sense, like it's for the reasons that you'd think, right? Is like you know. The, the color film is more expensive <laughs> and there were more shots that were in black that and white. That is not <laughs> what he said, but that's probably more <laughs> accurate as to why. But he was like, yeah, like, well, you know, because I thought the moment of like where they finally achieved the filming was like this burst of color because it was like everything coming together and there was supposed to be like, you know, this thing. And then like he kind of explained why he switched it and he was like but all I could really get was like because it would be different right okay I mean although in the, in the first part the parts that they film are a bunch of series of takes being fucked up I know but the point is, is like it's co- it's color until it gets fucked up so it's like oh perfect perfect oh, perfect perfect oh, and I then see. it's fucked up black and white again I, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. But, but anyway, why would he reverse it in the part two? That doesn't make any sense to he, me. He, and he tried to explain it, but again, I listened to it, but I don't understand. Right. So let's talk about 16 millimeter for, for a minute. Yes, please. So uh, now you've actually, interestingly, had some experience with 16 millimeter. Yeah, I've had it pointed at me, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, they did part one. Or, you know, once again, uh, yeah, they did part one using 16 millimeter. Uh, it was specifically shot with uh, Eastman Double X 7222. Eastman Double X 7222. Eastman is Eastman Kodak. Right. Uh, interestingly, what we did uh, the other time was Kodak Tri-X. Triple X? Yeah, that's one more X oh, than Double shit. X. Oh, shit. Why are there so many Xs? What does that mean? Uh, I don't actually know. Does the tri- does it is it for porn? No, actually. Uh, is that the porn film? 
No, it's not. Uh, it's in black and white, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's are saying, uh, yeah. Are you saying porn can't be black and white? I don't really get your joke. <laughs> I, I, it's not a joke. I'm just saying it's. Oh, you're just literally in black and white. So, so if you, I don't you, know. If they so would... you're saying your porn would be black and white <laughs> if you were to use it to shoot porn. <laughs> Mm, yes, that is. Ex- if you were to use Kodak Tri-X or Triple X, if you call it, <laughs> it would be, um, yeah. All right. It would, in fact, be black and white. Gotcha. So the reason why we used uh, Tri-X is because, uh, well, it's what I had. And it uh, it's generally used as a reversal film, which is what I wanted to do. Gotcha. But, you know, what is and is not reversal film is actually not exactly a hard and set thing. Are you going to get into that now, or is that a conversation No, for I'm later? not, because that's, that's kind of unrelated to this movie. Gotcha. <laughs> anyway, Kodak Double X is what they filmed the black and white sequences in. Uh, and in uh, the color sequences, they shot uh, Kodak 50D. 50D? Uh, so that's a color film, which is 50 ISO, which is relatively slow, very slow, actually. It's a fine grain color film. So what what are all these Ds and Xs coming from? Okay, so, so D stands for daylight. Oh, okay. So it means it's a daylight balanced film. That makes sense. So uh, do you know how, like, if you set, like, the white balance on a camera? like Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, you set it to tungsten or daylight? Yeah. So, yeah, 50D means that it's properly balanced under daylight, like, colors. Gotcha. Like, daylight light. So. And, and you know, if there was a, like, if there was a 50T, which there isn't, there's a 500T, it would be tungsten balanced. So, for interiors. Right. Is that high T? <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> high ISO. <laughs> Well, relatively high ISO. I don't think that would be considered high ISO digitally. No, I don't think so at all. That's high ISO for film. For film. Yeah. Digitally, what? Yeah. My dig- shitty digital camera goes up to 2,000. Yeah, I think I think my camera goes up to 3,200, but more, maybe more than that. But who's uh, got ISO up? flexing? Who shoots at that fucking. No, I, don't, I never shoot at that. Who the fuck shoots at 3,200 ISO? What is that for? <laughs> I don't know. You just be a fucking grainy image. Photographers who know what that's for? I don't know. know, Shooting at night, I guess, at really fast shutter speeds. Yeah, I I guess. It it has to be like a choice. Like a... (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, what was I going to say? It's interesting, though, that part one was done with a 35... Sorry, was done with a 16-millimeter camera and shot on 16-millimeter film... When you will notice that in part one, the camera that Wolf is using is a 35 millimeter camera. Okay, so let's get it. So, so that camera prop would which what kind of camera is more expensive? What? So the cam. So in part one, the camera that Wolf was using was an Aeroflex 35 BL4S. Right. Which is actually, I think. They used a pretty similar camera on Barry Lyndon, actually. Oh, really? To film Barry Lyndon? Yeah, part of it. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway, it's it that. But 
what's hilarious is that they had it on set, but that they clearly couldn't afford the film to put in it. <laughs> right. So that was the <laughs> that. So that's the, that was my question. So that's the better camera than what they were actually using. <laughs> than than what they were actually well, you know. Because I guess in part two they I mean, had more. It's hard money. to say which one is the. I mean, it's it's the more expensive camera because it's thirty five right, millimeter sorry, camera. Sorry. But it's like you know, it's not. It's, it's not hard to say the camera is necessarily better, yeah, yeah, better yeah. but you know, I guess the film, like it shoots film that is better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or that has a higher resolution, right? Right. Uh, it's yeah, it's more expensive. Uh, but so they shot part one on a sixty millimeter camera, shooting wolf shooting a thirty five millimeter. That's hilarious. But part two, which they shot thirty five millimeter film, you'll notice that they're using a different camera. Are they really in parts two and three? Yeah, I, and it's a 16mm camera. That's hilarious. Holy fuck. I wonder why that is. <laughs> Do you think that they was... I think it's a it's a Bach Oricon camera. Uh, I think they're using in part two. Do you, and three. Do you think they switched cameras? Yes, they switched camera because you know the camera that they used to shoot part two? What? Aeroflux 35 BL4S. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. Oh, my God. So they, they, they probably just fucking switched cameras. That's so good. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> because they're like, hey, we can afford the 35mm oh film now. God. Let's switch the cameras and put the film in that camera. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's why we do the podcast, folks, is for facts like that. You're telling you about how they they switched Fuck, cameras. <laughs> to, they switched the prop to be the real camera. And they <laughs> Actually, I, I don't think that they... Uh, I think that they shot part one actually with a different camera than the one they used as a prop in part two. Oh, damn. Still but great. But the, the, the prop from part one was the film, was the camera the from part two. The same type of, yeah, that's still great. <laughs> or at least it was the same kind of camera. I don't know if it's the same exact physical, like, instance of the camera. Still great. <laughs> but yeah, so th- they shot part one with the Airflex 16SR, which is a very, very common uh, professional 16 millimeter camera. Right. Yeah, so sorry, uh, also the film stock they used for part two was uh, more 50D. More 50D. Uh, and some 500T. 500D. T. T, okay. Right. 500D I don't think would be that useful because you would need to shoot it in sunlight that isn't bright. Yeah, what, which kind is of an oxymoron kind of there. Non-existent. <laughs> like... <laughs> Similarly, I think 50T would be almost useless as well because you'd have to shoot it with extremely bright, like, indoor lights. The opposite problem. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So, yeah, that is what they did uh, to make this movie. Uh, I I don't know what the black and white stock that they used for part two was. I wasn't able to find that out. That will have to remain a mystery. And, uh, yeah, who knows why they switched the order of when they were shooting what. The order? Oh, you mean of the black and white? What, what was black and white and what was yeah, color? I... And they also switched what camera was being used. <laughs> they used the prop camera as the real camera. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, so, I, I mean... I think that's that's mostly what I have to say about how they shot it. Is <laughs> just that little tidbit about switching cameras, but and that it's sixty millimeter, and this is the first movie we did that was sixty millimeter. There you go. So that's how they shot it. 
That is how they shot it, indeed. What do we have next? We're going to talk about, I think. Oh, we're going to talk about something. Yeah? What are we talking about? Logical negation of falsehood, baby. Mysterious. This is going to be uh, a. Sh- this truth's going to be a stroll down memory lane. Oh God! <laughs> Wait, has Steve Buscemi come up in Truth before? No, no, no. He was. He was in. No, no, no it's nothing like that. You're mis. You've misunderstood me. Not podcast okay. memory lane. Oh, not podcast memory lane. So, next to the truth section here on our outline, you added um, everything in this movie is 100% true. And anyone who's listened to the podcast has probably picked up in the past that Jake and I have had, uh, we've had a, we've made a little bit of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? We had a little. Uh, we dipped our toe into the uh, the independent film universe. Are you going to talk about stories that we did that also happened in this exactly, movie? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And does it involve smoke machines? That's, that was the first one I was going to get you to tell the smoke machine parallel. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Um, so yeah, let's talk about that. So in the uh, this is good. Uh, in the um, in the, this film, you will note that they have some trouble with a smoke machine yes they do first it's not making enough smoke (laughs) and then it creates too much smoke and then it explodes (laughs) i think we had two of those things happen to us two out of three two out of three happened to us indeed uh so we had too little smoke was actually we were filming a sequence yeah now the question here is how much do we want it because our films it's in we've also alluded that it's in production hell um, yeah, it is. Actually. But it will be. It will come out one day. Yeah. The it question will. is, how much of it do we spoil here? Uh, let's tr- let's let's talk more about what happened behind the exactly. camera. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we're, we were filming a sequence, which was not a dream sequence. It was not. A, although. Although. <laughs> <laughs> although. <laughs> yes. Uh, we won't. We won't get at that. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so we were having we were filming this sequence, and we needed there to be smoke, so we had a smoke machine. Yeah, and we we did put the uh, the stuff in the right, you know. Well, this one, this port, our smoke machine was a little more advanced, thankfully. Well, well yeah, not advanced it, necessarily. It was not it was less industrial. I mean, based on based on what they had, they had something that looked kind of. Yeah, ours was sketchy. not a an industrial smoke machine. No, but anyway, it, it was a smoke machine, and we put the uh, the stuff in the smoke machine, and we got it to go, and we got a little bit of smoke, but there was just nowhere near enough smoke. And we were outdoors, too, so it was like... And we were outdoors, too, so it's obviously harder. Uh, you know, if... Uh, maybe tell us what we were doing wrong if you know a thing or two about smoke yeah, machines, but... it was... Trust me, uh, it wasn't the fact that we were outdoors. It was the problem. The smoke machine was not yeah, working. Yeah, exactly. Correctly. That was <laughs> like, not the issue. That was not the issue at all. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, um, 
it was just it would like put out like little spurts of smoke and then just stop yeah there it would be like what like three minutes apart it would just give you these little yeah and then we would like desperately try and get the take seconds after it would do yeah so we're just like waiting for these little spurts (laughs) i mean i actually think that it turned out fine in the end in the the end it turned out fine it it took us and there was some smoke there was smoke in the take yeah i don't think as much as we imagined I really wish there was more smoke, but, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do, yeah. Um, but, yeah, also, uh, that smoke machine no longer works. Oh, the smoke machine no longer works. Oh, bummer. So, in, in effect, the smoke machine exploded after that. Yeah, like, in a in a way. Yeah. So, we had a smoke machine that didn't produce enough smoke, and then we broke the smoke machine. Indeed. Didn't... I'm trying to remember, because I remember having a fear, like... Because didn't it start working, like, right at the end? And, like, start putting out, like, a shit ton of smoke? No, I don't Am think I making so. that up? Because... I think I think if that happened, I think we would have gone back and retaken some of those shots. I feel like, yeah, that might be it. I, like, I might just be imagining that yeah. because, like... Uh, I think you're imagining that. I, I don't think that happened. Because of my... If that happened, I think we would have got that on. Because I remember having the specific paranoia that, like, someone was... Because we were, like, obviously just, like... It was just the two of us at night in, like, a parking lot. Yeah. Um, I was, like, paranoid that someone was going to think we were, like, lighting a fire or something. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, no, that didn't happen. I think that was just your paranoia. Yeah, I th- was that what that was? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so that was the story with the smoke machine. So, yeah, it happens. And it mean, happens to a lot of people. To be fair, getting it to work was almost was as, as difficult as their, like, you know, method. It was as, like... Yeah, smoke machines are not, you know, easy things. Well, to they had, like, with. four guys being like, I think, you, leaning over it, I think you put it in here. Or I think you put it in there. Yeah. Uh, equivalent is... I think you put... Back in 85, you know? <laughs> so you put the... The T-160... Was it the T-160 or something like that? Yeah, something like that. I don't remember. I don't remember. Anyway, yeah, that was that story. Smoke machine. So this... Happens to everyone. The smoke machine, yeah. I think... I think most films... Independent films that have used a smoke machine will... Uh, have had smoke machine issues. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, okay, did you have an, another thing in mind well the next thing i was gonna think of was uh we've talked about it briefly but focus pulling issues yeah oh yeah i mean there's tons of i mean in this movie for example uh what's his name keeps saying like oh you know all the focus is all off i gotta redo that (laughs) or whatever right exactly yeah what do you what do you want to say about focus pulling issues just uh, that i was i specifically remember being very bad at it I remember ruining more than one take. Because yeah. The, I was like, ah. So if ever during this podcast you hear me uh, giving the first AC uh, more credit. Oh, actually, we forgot to give credit to the DP and first oh, AC. Oh, yeah, we always we do that. Let's do that yeah, right now. Yeah. Now that we're talking about it. Oh, yeah. If you ever hear us being what you think is overly uh congratulatory well, it's a hard job it's a really hard job it's yeah it's out of experience for fucking trying to follow uh an a- uh, an unpredictable actor yeah well i mean that's why they have marks yeah i think we put some sticks yeah. on the ground yeah i think we did tape in a couple shots we did have tape hockey tape probably that, that but that was a thing yeah maybe <laughs> um okay so director photography was frank prinzy or Prinz. 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 I don't know. Oh, Frank uh, Prinzy. Prinzy. Yeah. Uh, 
He he was the dir- he's the director of Last Week Tonight. He's the director of Last Week from twenty fourteen. He was from twenty fourteen to twenty seventeen. Only four episodes. Okay. Very interesting. Um, he did thirty four episodes I didn't of Law and Order. That there was a director for Oh Law and Order. Okay. Um, yeah. So a lot of a lot of television. Some television and uh, the Dave Chappelle film Half Baked. Classic. Which uh, I think I talked about it in the in the Pineapple Express episode does not hold up. <laughs> yeah. So this is obviously a very small uh cast and crew that we see here. Yeah. Um Okay, so interesting we have two first assistant cameras, which, you know, I assume they had different ones on the, the two, two yeah, segments right. of production. Makes sense. We have David S. Tutman. Thank you, David. And Interestingly named Alan. Wolf. Ah, that's right. I remember noticing that in the credits, that there was a wolf. There's more than one wolf. There's a Benjamin Wolf as well, who was the third electrician. Wow, what a coincidence! How, how many wolves are there? It's two. There's Benjamin and Alan. Mind you, this wolf spelled two different yeah, ways. Yeah, how is it spelled in the film? Wolf is it with an E or no? It's just it's just wolf no e. like. Like right. the animal, the wolf Ubaman. So, uh, sorry about that aside. Uh, we were just talking about focus ball. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's we didn't really have any actor issues because we only had the one. Yeah, but I mean, we still had plenty of just everything going yeah. wrong on one well, take. Uh, Specifically, one of the things, like the lockup, uh, is I think one thing because they you remember uh, all the times that they were in the, in the first segment of this movie where they're like, "Do we have a lockup?" Oh yeah, the like random shit. Having sound and things and people pass oh by. Oh my god! Because we we foolishly were, yeah. Well, I won't get into that because it, it's a spoily. But uh, yeah, I remember we were trying to get a shot and cars kept fucking driving through the shot, and we were there for like forty five yeah. minutes trying to get one like six second shot where the yeah, actor just any walks in, in front of the fucking camera. And god damn it, I remember how happy we were when we got yeah. it too. That's yeah. That's why this movie speaks to people. Is I think to filmmakers is, is like things like that. It's like yeah, we only made the one film, and we don't really know that much about filmmaking. But but still, we've encountered at least three of these things that happened in this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And did we we had a lot of lighting issues. We never had one explode on us. Oh yeah, no, we never had a light explode. But I think uh, we constantly had trouble with just you know not having enough yeah, light or, or not having but uh, that was, i guess that wasn't a specific issue no that was us being <laughs> well that was us being unprepared yeah oh did we have any where the good take happened and we weren't shooting? oh yes we did well because yes where we like forgot to hit record or something so not exactly yeah the same. okay well that that was different in this movie because the the dp was literally vomiting but, but yeah there was I don't think we had, because again, there wasn't a, there wasn't very much dialogue. No, but uh, we didn't have any vomiting issues. Uh, that so that's that's a plus. Yeah, I don't remember. We were a bare bones crew, so not a lot of opportunity. We did yeah. get coffees uh, once, yeah. though, and the milk was good. Yeah, we did. The milk was fine. Yeah. So yeah, that's 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 the truth. I know we've been we've been the truths have been far away from aliens lately yeah maybe we'll get back but to yeah, that at you know, some point 
I mean, I don't see how you're gonna do that with the next song. Yeah, but, well, you know, you gotta, you gotta uh, uh, mix it up. Right. Yeah. You know, sometimes you actually have to. Tell exactly. The truth. Exactly. And that there was 100% the truth, as it happened it's true, to it's us. True. As it happened to us and to Tom. Tom Basilio, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh. Yeah. I don't think. Uh, is that the last segment here on this podcast today? Yeah, besides our 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 culminative final culminative thoughts, opinions yeah. on this film. Do you want to go first? Uh, sure, I'll go first. I mean, I think I think you've got this vibe already that I I like this film, and that uh, you know it's uh, I think it just really captures what it sets out to do. It's like. It's clearly made by a guy who is really mad, uh, you know, who clearly has some issues he has to work out with uh, those hostess Twinkie indeed, people. Indeed, indeed. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know, um, he, and I think it's it's uh, all the uh, all the actors' performances are definitely you know all excellent. Yeah, well, I mean. <laughs> Even the ones that who, who even the actors who aren't te- technically actors. Yeah, well, they really they really lucked out that like it's one of those films where like all the th- the three stars essentially went on to become actual stars. I think Dermot Mulroney may have already been kind of a a name. Yeah, although I feel like ironically he's the least of a star. Least out of the three of them now. Yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah he's more yeah. of a TV dude now. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Um. What's his name? The the first AC went on to do a couple other things as well. Right. Um. Kevin Corrigan and Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage, Peter of course. Dinklage, yeah, yeah. Obviously. I actually Peter Dinklage is probably. Would you say Peter Dinklage is the biggest star of this Let's movie? Let's see. Uh, That's very it's possible. It's very possible. <laughs> it's very possible. He'd be in um, in, in contention. Yeah, just from Game of yeah, Thrones. Yeah, exactly. Right? Game of Thrones and other stuff, but. But that's yeah. that's the big one, obviously. I mean, Steve Buscemi not anymore. Although he's on. Uh, yeah. Although he's been in a ton of shit. Well, yeah, like, he's his entire filmography. He's is obviously a true legend. Um, which we ha- have. You seen Death of Stalin? Yeah, <laughs> that was a, a good, good movie. movie. Um, we should do that sometime. Yeah. But yeah, he's uh he's been in a lot of stuff. He's been in TV recently too, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he's been some TV. Catherine Keener would, I think, it would be between Dinklage and, and Catherine Keener, I think. Because she's, right. like, yeah. not necessarily a household name, but I feel like her clout is quite high these days, is it not? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Anywho. She's been in some classics. Yeah. Any, yeah, so that those are my thoughts. Do you have thoughts, Keaton? Basically the same, yeah. It's, like, it's super, yeah. super good film, super rewatchable, I think. Um yeah, but yeah, like honestly, I think the thing that works most in the favor of this movie is the realism. Yeah, know? yeah. Despite how you know um, surreal and bizarre this film is, it's incredibly realistic. Yeah, exactly, it's got a weird, <laughs> weird combination of both those things. Mm. And I think it's surreal and real. And I and I definitely enjoyed uh, uh, listening to. Tom DeSillo talk about this movie. Yeah, yeah, he seems like a a very like uh, passionate. Yeah, guy. and even if like we couldn't quite figure out what he was talking about, 
with some of those points. It was still worth listening. It was, yeah, it's thought-provoking. I think he's got, he's, it's interesting. He's got an interesting perspective on filmmaking. Yeah. That is. Yeah, a very, very fresh Polar opposite of Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that should be, I think most people have a different opinion. Yeah, than he's a, uh, yeah. <laughs> an enigma. Yeah. Or at least not to the same degree that he does. Yeah, exactly. He's a, a class of his own. We did three episodes about one of his yeah, films. So exactly. For better so. or for worse, <laughs> yeah. he's a class of his own. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's really all I have to say there. Um, yeah. That's 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 the episode. That's that's living in oblivion. Yeah. So I guess you can you can play us out. Oh, I forgot to mention, uh, the title of this movie is based on a song. Oh, is it? Which I actually haven't listened to. Oh, yeah. I have not oh, listened to it. I came across the song. And I don't have it on here. I didn't actually listen to it. Maybe we should put that in yeah. here. Okay, well, we both have to listen to it so we know what it sounds like, so we're not being... So, but, yeah, maybe, maybe we might replace what I'm about to play now with gotcha. that. Gotcha. Okay, so let's... Oh, and then I gotta, I gotta do some, do some uh, shoutouts. Shout and also, if if you haven't already, we would love it if you if you clicked the follow or whatever. Follow, subscribe, whatever you call it, on whatever you're looking exactly. at. Exactly, we love it. Oh, I already said the build I think you did. I mean, uh, I don't. I hate to break it to you, but our listenership isn't huge, so yeah. we are gonna run out of choices eventually. Alright, Switzerland. Let's uh, give one to the Thank Swiss. you, Swiss folks. Swiss listeners. Uh, Swiss, Swiss listeners. Swiss. You know, um, I, well, I speak German. Yeah, and French. Oh, danke. Danke, And Grazie as well. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> they do. They speak three languages in Switzerland. It's a crazy place. Um, uh, <laughs> Alright, uh, I'll play you. Yeah.